church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted to have you listening to this podcast today. You know, last week, uh, we got to interview Dr. Michael A. Melton, and uh, we talked at length about socialism in America and what's happening right here before our eyes. And, you know, when I got up uh, this morning, I flipped on the TV, and there was a big news article about AT&T and DirecTV uh, dropping or canceling a conservative uh, news network known as Newsmax, and uh, there was a lot of uh, consternation on the, on the telecast about this, and it just struck me as though that's consistent with what we see playing out uh, in front of our eyes in this country under the topic that uh, we can label um, freedom of speech that's so critically important to so many things in in our society. You know, uh, uh, just recently, Elon Musk, the uh, famous entrepreneur and businessman, uh, bought the platform known as Twitter. And uh, he recently tweeted that he said, every social media company is engaged in heavy censorship with significant involvement of and at times explicit direction from our government. Wow. Uh, you know, this just startles me, and I can't really understand why more people in America are not uh, startled by these revelations. You know, after he purchased Twitter, he released documents that uh, that showed that this platform had colluded with the FBI and the CIA, the Pentagon, and other governmental entities to suppress information on elections, on Ukraine, on COVID-19. You know, there's there's been suspicions about all this uh, for the last couple of years, and here now we have uh, confirmation. You know, the journalist uh, by the name of Mark Tavey asserts that the government was in contact with virtually every major tech firm. And then um, last year, there was a lawsuit uh, filed by the attorney generals in Missouri and Louisiana, alleging that officials from no fewer than at least 12 government agencies met weekly with representatives of uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, other big tech firms to decide which uh, narratives and users they were going to censor for alleged election interference, and COVID-19 narratives. You know, what's disturbing is this suppression of information um, seems that it was aimed 
almost entirely at suppressing information that might be damaging to the election of Joe Biden, as well as uh, information about COVID-19. You know, this is, uh, this is, this is, uh, you know, this is really a disturbing thing to me. Um, you know, the internet and all the special technologies that, uh, uh, we have today where we can access the internet has made speech on these these social media platforms very easy. You know, people uh, are able to give restaurants and hotels and, frankly, many other vendors ratings on a site that's called Yelp, uh, where they can get on there and say whatever they want, and it's not considered libel. You know, several years ago, um, these social media platforms began banning certain words that they thought might be offensive to others. You know, they, uh, you know, pages such as Facebook, they don't let you type in uh, certain words uh, that they find offensive or they think others might find offensive, and they may delete a comment or a, a photograph that they deem inappropriate or that they think might hurt someone. Well, really, all these efforts are you know, violations of the constitutionally guaranteed freedom of speech in the, in the U.S. Constitution. So, you know, why should we worry about all this? You know, how important are these social platforms in our contemporary society. Well, according to Pew Research, platforms like YouTube and Facebook are used 81% and 69% by U.S. adults, respectively. Those are pretty staggering numbers. Overall, 72% of Americans say they use social media sites. And interesting, the majority of Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram users say they uh, visit these platforms daily, daily. That tells you something about how important these sites are in terms of distribution of information in our society. It's huge. Oh, yeah, there are news uh, outlets and radio and television, you know, on our smartphones and, and on our computers. But really, uh, uh the research shows, and in these recent presidential election, uh, most of these news outlets were complicit. They were complicit in suppressing information about Joe Biden that uh, has now become available through what is now known as the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Now, you say, well, um, what does all this mean? Well, according to the New York Post, four out of five Americans, four out of five Americans who've been following uh, the, uh, you know, Hunter Biden laptop scandal believe that uh, truthful coverage would have changed the outlook, I mean, the outcome would have changed the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. In other words, 
Biden would not have been elected had the public known about the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Now, you know, there's been all this uh, arguing and debate about, uh, you know, how votes were counted and how people were excluded from voting precincts and, and um, you know, even lawsuits filed over these kinds of things. And, uh, and uh, I understand all that, and I understand why there's concern about making sure that our voting procedures are, are proper, honest, uh, truthful, and transparent. However, the most important thing is that the public, the voters, the Americans, be given information about those we are electing. Otherwise, we can make some horrible uh, mistakes. You know, every freedom-loving American should be disturbed that federal agencies participated in censorship that it appears changed the outcome of a presidential election. You know, First Peter 2.16, Christians are admonished, live as people who are free. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And then, in Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, believers are told to open your mouth for the moot, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Now, these are just some of the teachings out of the scripture that makes freedom of speech a biblical concept, not just some political thing to argue about, but a biblical concept. If you sit back and ask the question, you know, has censorship, censorship in America, you know, on radio and TV and television and social platforms hurts Christians' efforts to advocate for unborn children or advocate for the sanctity of marriage or between a man and a woman or advocate for parental rights? I think we know the answer to that question. The answer is yes. Censorship has hurt Christians, people of faith, from doing what God has asked them to do. Uh, you know, it's a, it's... The freedom of speech is a major issue for the Christian faith. Now, you know, we hear a lot about separation of church and state. But I think a close examination of the Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution reveals that the Founding Fathers did not have a separation of state and faith separation of this church and faith. No, our Declaration of Independence is repeatedly cited by the U.S. Supreme Court as part of the fundamental law of the United States. John Eadsmo, in his book Christianity and the uh, Constitution, asserts that the Constitution is built on the Declaration of Independence. And the Declaration of Independence finds practical expression in the Constitution, and neither 
can be fully understood without the other. This is important because the Declaration of Independence it contains several references to God. The first paragraph refers to the laws of nature and of nature's God. The second paragraph declares that, you know, this is one that we're all a little more familiar with. All men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Liberty. Part of that is freedom of speech, an unalienable right given to us by God. The final paragraph in the Declaration of Independence has the words, a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. So I think we can conclude, as far as we know, none of the delegates who were signing on to the Declaration of Independence objected to this kind of divine language, this kind of dependence on the guidance of God. You know, in the book Christianity and Constitution, which I alluded to, um, the author laid out 15 principles that the founding father used for the framework of the Constitution. Now, much research has been done on these founding fathers. Um, where they went to church, uh, what their backgrounds is, what they wrote, what they said. And it's from this kind of study that these principles were developed. You know, they shared a belief in God and his providence. Virtually all were men of God. Uh, they shared a belief that uh, God revealed his truths through the Holy Scripture. A shared belief. Uh, they they had a belief in the God-giving power of human reason to determine truth, and uh, you know they they believed that uh, that and understood that man's not perfect, and that government must take that into consideration in the development of laws and jurisdiction and prosecution. You know, um, uh, they had a belief that God has. Uh, ordained government as the instrument to restrain the sinful nature of man. In other words, left to our own devices, mankind can be sinfully destructive. And, uh, you know, they had a belief that God has established certain physical laws for the operation of the universe, as well as moral laws for the governance of mankind. That God established these, the belief that God has revealed his uh, uh, moral laws through the scripture and through the laws of nature. You know, our forefathers had a belief that the human law, the laws we make, must correspond to divine law and the law of human nature. That laws that contradict the higher law are invalid and non-binding. Are you beginning to see the role that our founding fathers had for God and the Scripture? And, uh, you know, they, they believe that the law of nature certainly provided uh, the moral right to uh, defend ourselves against aggressors. Uh, 
they had a belief that the law of nature included the God-given rights, unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and property. You know, they they believed that that uh, that the government was formed as a covenant with the people to safeguard human rights, including freedom of speech. Not having government entities be involved in censorship of the people, they believe that that the governments only have such powers that are delegated to them by the people through covenant. And when that government attempts to usurp powers not so delegated, they become illegitimate. In other words, if our federal government is doing things that's not delegated to them through our constitutional covenant, it makes them illegitimate. And then uh, they had a belief that rulers tend to usurp more and more power if given the opportunity. Are we not seeing that right here in our own country as the federal government expands his powers into the uh, to the details of our lives? You know, the, the laughable thing just recently was the the uh, announced effort that they were going to eliminate gas stoves in homes. And, of course, there was a huge outcry across this nation, and they've certainly uh, backtracked from them. You know, uh, they believe that the best way to prevent government from usurping power is to separate their powers into legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Well, isn't that interesting? Aren't we hearing? especially from the legislative branch, how the judicial system, the Supreme Court is repeatedly trying to undertake lawmaking. And what about all these executive orders that are coming out, uh, again, usurping the prerogatives of the legislative branch? And then last, I might say that they firmly believe that a free enterprise economy was the best way to give people an incentive to produce and develop national prosperity. You know, there were 55 men who assembled in what we now call the Constitutional Convention. Almost all of these men were in good standing in Trinitarian churches. Many of them were even presidents and founders of Bible societies. There was a lot of wrangling and arguing and disagreement when this convention came together. Uh, it went on for weeks. And, uh, you know, after weeks of this debating and wheel spinning and uh, Dr. Benjamin Franklin, who was one of the uh, one of the participants, one of our founding fathers and participants, uh, and uh, not a member of a Trinitarian church, uh, got up and delivered uh, this short speech. It's, it's worth reading. You know, Benjamin Frank, he said, the small progress we have made after four or five weeks is melancholy proof of the imperfection of human understanding. Uh, he was saying, rather than mere Christian 
understanding the delegates needed something more. He went on to say, the father of lights to illuminate our understanding. He reminded the delegates that during the war for independence, they had prayed regularly to God in the very hall that they were sitting. He said, our prayers, sirs, were heard and they were graciously answered. Certainly all of them could remember God's intervention on their behalf. And to that intervention, they owed victory over Britain. And he said, have we forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? He said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth. The truth he was talking about, he said that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it's probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid. We've been assured, he says, in the sacred writings, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He said, I firmly believe this and also believe that while this concurring, we shall succeed in this political building. No better than the builders of the Bible. Then, Dr. Franklin suggested daily prayers led by one or more of the Philadelphia clergymen. And history records that they all attended church together on the 4th of July. Now, can there be any more evidence that this country was founded by men of faith on Judeo-Christian principles? So what are we facing here in America? I mean, it just seems that there's some dangers that have emerged. Dangers to our nation uh, fundamentally, fundamentally eroding the pillars that this country was built on. You know, according to the Annenberg Public Policy Centers, 40%, 40% of Americans do not even know that freedom of speech is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. So right there you have the answer as to why there's not more outcry about this kind of censorship that has been occurring and participated in by factions within our federal government. And then one of our founders, John Adams, declared, our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people. Huh. Our Constitution was made for only moral and religious people. He went on to say it is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. And what he's trying to tell us is morality, morality is fundamentally required for the success of our nation in the future. I don't think there's any disagreement anywhere, probably in any circle. Every night we turn on the TV, we can see how immorality has exploded across the country. 
I mean, everything from the problem of uh, uh, illicit and illegal drugs to human trafficking to uh, prostitution to, uh, uh, you know, stealing and lawlessness in our streets and murders and rapes and on and on and on. It just seems like uh, we're in a time where immorality has reached a level unprecedented, unprecedented in the fact in the past. You know, um, and then it raises the question of what's going to change this? What's going to change this? You know, today the separation of power, but three the, these three branches: the judiciary, the legislative branch, and the executive branch, uh, have been eroding with the judiciary and the executive branch um, usurping more and more authority uh, without input of the legislative branch, which was designed by our founding fathers to best express the will of the people. You know, the founding fathers believed that big government Big government. We talk about that today, don't we? Big government. That big government was a threat to personal freedoms. And we live in a time, I mean, there's uh, look at the, all the discussion going on now about the budget, the budget of the federal government and the debt of the federal government. You know, we live in a time where virtually uh, all branches of government are expanding. And as they expand, they begin to take more and more of our personal freedoms. And then on top of all of that, there seems to be a comprehensive effort to remove religious influence from the American scene. You know, we know what's taken place in our public schools where, where it's almost impossible to discuss uh, Christian principles or Christian faith in a school. You know, there's there's been all kinds of efforts to suppress any kind of prayer in schools, any kind of uh, Bible reading in schools, on and on again, where uh, people of faith have tried to find ways around this and have been successful in uh, in many ways in that. But the fact of the matter is, there is this comprehensive effort to try to push Christianity to the margins of society. You know, we live in a nation that's uh, become convinced that human reason and human experience are the only means for attaining truth. That there's no need, there's no need to hear from those who read God's special revelation the Bible. Now that's far removed from what we just talked about with our founding fathers. And you know, we can blame some of this perhaps on Christians themselves. You know, it seems like uh, Christians to a large degree have been uh, in what some refer to as the holy huddle, as the holy huddle where the Christians huddle together and associate mostly with each other, uh, read their own literature, listen to their own music, stay out of politics, 
and let the world go by. Now, it ought to be pretty clear to us that this kind of a uh, this kind of a posture in our society has allowed secular-minded people to take over influential uh, positions in academia and government, and you know all of the media's uh, from you know from the television to the social platforms, and even in the fields of scientific uh, research. Now, you know the Bible tells believers that we're to be the salt of the earth you know we're the, to be the ones that carry the message of morality you know we use we put salt in our food to change the taste you know change the complexion of the food you know being the salt of the earth does the same things you know christian duet uh, judeo Faith uh, sets the standards and sets the tone in societies. You know, we use salt in the in, in our f- food sometimes to preserve it, to preserve the food. You know, being the salt of the earth is the same thing where we can preserve the founding principles of our society. You know, preserve standards of morality where we don't live in a society where. It's just anything goes kind of society. And then we know if you get a little salt in a little cut on your hand, it hurts. So you see, part of the push to push Christians to the margins of society is because of what they say about biblical truths is hurtful, is hurtful. And uh, and just as, you know, the, 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 the prophets... In the scripture, they didn't hesitate to speak out on political issues of their day. You know, David served as um, king of Israel. Daniel was prime minister of Babylon. Uh, Later Persia, Joseph became prime minister of Egypt. Esther was queen of Persia. The truth is, Christians today need to get out of the holy huddle and be involved in every sector of our society and not hesitate to be outspoken, especially about principles of morality. You know, our uh, founding fathers, uh, they recognized that freedom cannot exist in an immoral society. The nation will either crumble from within or be conquered by outside forces. So it is that everything's at stake. Everything's at stake when it comes to the uh, uh, freedom of speech. Everything's at stake. You know, Christians must have the opportunity to supply the moral fiber that comes from obedience to God. If America is going to survive as a free society. Now, this is why freedom of speech is so important. You know, in the most uh, uh, oppressive countries in the world, the Chinas and uh, North Koreas and Vietnam and and, uh, some of the Muslim nations where 
freedom of speech is not uh, allowed. Everything is controlled by the state. Even in those countries, they've been unable to completely suppress freedom of speech because it is an unalienable right and gift of God. You know, that's this is why we need to take these efforts in our country to suppress freedom of speech, uh, why it's so important. You know, what I'm saying is, as we kind of reach the conclusion of this podcast, what I'm trying to say is that literally the future of America depends on the preservation of freedom of speech. Now, you may or may not be a believer, but I can tell you that it's critical for Christian voices to be heard to restore morality uh, to our nation. So get involved. Speak out. Teach the youth about our Judeo-Christian heritage. Before I close this podcast, I'd like to just take one moment of personal privilege. Yesterday, one of our regular listeners, a friend, a person has played a huge role in the life of one of my sons, passed away at age 52. And I'll tell you, um, she was a special person to a lot of people. Diane McNabb. You know, it would be easy to say at times like this that I hear say so often, well, she's gone on to a better place sounds so trite to me. In Dion's case, she was a person who had more than her share of emotional, psychological scars and uh, physical ailments. I'm convinced that she has gone on to a place with her Lord where there is no pain. And let me say to those who loved her, may God comfort you these times. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. I hope you'll be back with us soon. May God bless you.